It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Jeff Orovitz, Chief Executive Officer at Seal for Life Industries. Jeff has had a successful career in various executive roles, and prior to Seal for Life, he worked at May River Capital as part of the Executive Resource Group. He spent over 20 years at PPG Industries and served in a variety of leadership positions during his tenure, including President and CEO of Metacoat, Vice President of PPG Coding Services, and Vice President for Global Business Development at Metacoat. Prior to serving in PPG's executive suite, Jeff holds roles in sales and marketing as the Director of North American Sales and Marketing for Auto Refinish and as the General Manager of Packaging Coatings America. Jeff completed his Bachelor of Science degree in Chemistry at the University of Pittsburgh and then pursued his MBA from Pitt with a focus on finance during his tenure at PPG Industries. Jeff Orovitz, welcome into the corner office. Thanks, Brent. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to speak on your podcast and uh, share a few things about my background. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's get started. We always like to kind of start in the middle with our CEOs, Jeff, and tell us about your early years, you know, where you grew up, family life, brothers, sisters, parents. I, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, uh, suburban Pittsburgh, about 20 miles from downtown and uh, family, uh, two younger brothers uh, and uh Spent you know a lot of my time in my early years uh, working various uh, jobs, paper routes, uh, lawn mowing, uh, you know, snow shoveling in the wintertime, things to try to make a buck when you're when you're growing up, and uh, and obviously spent a lot of time with my my schoolwork and was very interested in sports as well. So uh, I'm sure I, I kept my parents probably busier than maybe they uh, would have wanted <laughs> in the early years, uh, but it was a a great environment to grow up in uh, with my my family in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a great town. You know, it's gone through quite a transformation. I, I'm assuming pretty much over your lifetime. Very much so. You know, was, the city really did transform quite a bit in in my younger years, particularly during the 70s with, you know, the change in the, the local economy, move, moving away from heavy manufacturing and, and steel as the primary industry to you know, now where it is uh, a lot of uh, medicine and software and and more uh, uh, professional type of uh, businesses and environment, yet still retaining its manufacturing history as well. So it uh, it went through a pretty incredible transformation, and and the uh, downtown infrastructure really in the starting in the mid to late seventies through. 
the eighties and nineties, uh, changed quite a bit. And it's, uh, it's a, it's a gorgeous downtown now. And I always look forward to going back there and spending some time with my friends and family. Were your mom and dad from that area as well? Yes. Yes. Uh, family grew up, uh, in and around Pittsburgh over the years. And, uh, a lot of them are still there today. What did they do? What, what were your parents' professions? My, uh, my, my mother was homemaker. So she had three boys and, uh, uh, and, and she grew up in a family of, of with five brothers. So wow. you know, she's sort of sort of done her time, you know. <laughs> I can <Yeah>. say that. <laughs> uh, my my father worked in the uh, insurance industry and had a very uh, successful career there, but in the general Pittsburgh area, and uh, uh, retired uh, in the early two thousands. When you think back to your childhood and the kinds of things that you know, mom and dad instilled in you, what what sticks out for you? You know, it was it was an environment where we were always encouraged to do as well as we could uh, at whatever we were doing, but not uh, in an overbearing, uh, stress-induced, stress environment uh, like, unfortunately, you see with a lot of uh, parents and young children these days. You know, they sort of left us become our own people, mm. and uh, we all went in, in very different directions, uh, but we were, we were given the opportunity to do so. And without uh, a whole lot of oversight, as long as you followed the rules, right? You sort of had to follow the rules. And, uh, cause if you got out of line, there were, there were consequences. Uh, but it was, a uh, uh, you know, freedom to sort of choose interests and, uh, what you really wanted to do, uh, uh with your life, which I, I truly appreciated. Any other influencers, you know, folks that really inspired you during those younger years, coaches, teachers that you remember? Sure. Uh, my, my two grandfathers uh, were very influential in my early life. Uh, they, uh, my, my dad's father was an avid reader and he would read everything and uh, really crystallized my uh, love for reading and study at an early age. And, you know, exposed me to uh, the, you know, the ability to learn uh, through reading and assimilating information. Uh, my mother's father uh, had a chemistry degree and worked as a lab chemist in Pittsburgh. And that certainly um, helped with my interest growing up in the sciences and in chemistry in particular. Uh, so both of the both of my grandfathers were very influential in my in my young life and uh, uh, good excellent role models uh, for me and I really enjoyed spending time with them and I miss them I miss them terribly even today. Uh, my high school experience I had an outstanding chemistry teacher who really uh, uh, not not only taught well but helped open our eyes to opportunities in, in chemistry and in the sciences where we, we might you know, be able to have careers. Uh, and, and it was just, just one of those teachers that really made an indelible mark in your life. Were you a good student in school, uh, Jeff? I was a very good student uh, and primarily interested in math and science. So um, very quantitative and uh, thought that I would I would be in the sciences in some way, shape, or form for my entire adult life, uh, which of course didn't happen. And uh, just goes to show you that uh, you know your journey in your career and what you learn and and the situations and experiences you collect can lead you down roads that perhaps you didn't first think of when you were younger. 
but I'm sure that science and math interest and background laid a pretty good foundation for your critical thinking skills. Absolutely. And I leverage those skills, obviously, in my, in my CEO roles here uh, uh, in, in my career, have leveraged those skills very, very well. It's, you know, this is uh, private equity, so uh, a lot of numbers and financial focus and having the quantitative skills is, is still incredibly important. But uh, now I, I see myself a lot more rounded out on, on, on the qualitative side of things where, you know, you're, when you're leading large groups of people and teams around the world, you really have to be able to focus on things that are just not black and white all the time. And, and the level of human and interpersonal interactions are what uh, ultimately help create the, the best culture for a business, I think. Well said. Back to your school days, uh, outside of school, you're obviously a great student. What other kind of things were you involved with? Sports, music, theater, debate? Sports, uh, primarily, and uh, tried to play all of them. Again, you know, I'm sure my parents got tired of uh, chasing me around there over the years. Uh, but I played played through high school, and then I played intramurals in college, and football, and basketball. And and uh, it was always active, still am today, enjoy um, exercising and staying in shape, which is, you know, I think critical for being in these types of roles as well, because they are physically demanding and, uh, uh staying active as a youth certainly helped, you know, kind of set that up for the rest of my life. I think. Sounded like you had some entrepreneurial, uh, inklings as a kid, you mentioned the paper route and doing lawns and so forth. When did that all start? Uh, that started, uh, in my early teens. Uh, so, you know, trying to trying to make some money on top of on top of the allowance to you know do things and and uh, I was you know, had a pretty good work ethic from early days, so I wasn't afraid to you know get my hands dirty and dig in and 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 do things to try to uh, uh, make a little bit of money in in my early years before I was you know technically officially uh, job qualified, if you will. Uh, and, uh, in, enjoy doing it. Uh, never really, uh, like to sit around the house and without much to do. Did mom and dad encourage you to save or were there specific, uh, things that you were told to set money aside from, or, or was it vice money? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it always encouraged to save. Uh, you know, my, uh, my father was really good at it and, uh, that certainly helped get me through college. And, and I knew, you know, college was coming at some point. Right. So trying to save uh, for that, uh, you know, I, I got those lessons from my father and, and, and still have them today, to be honest. And uh, that was that was very helpful. And, and I enjoyed trying to make some money and, and put some money away. And uh, that was a I think that was a good value set early in my life that uh, certainly has paid dividends since. You know, I'm dating myself here, but I remember opening my first account and I was probably about that same age, early teens. Do you remember the old savings books, right? Where they of would course. print out, you know, the deposits and you kind of look at it and you'd watch it grow and you'd go in a week later and say, oh, wow, what's that? What's that interest, dad? That's right. You'd log in your few pennies of interest every month into <laughs> your book, you know, manually, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> Back then. Yeah. Yeah. What were some other jobs he had during high school and getting into your college years? In, in uh, high school, I, I did my, my dad's, one of my dad's brothers was a drywall finisher. And so he's a you know, construction contractor. 
And I did a lot of drywall finishing with him, which if, if you've not done that, it's pretty intense physical labor. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, but I, I enjoyed it and uh, made uh, made some decent money doing that. I also like you know many other kids. I worked at McDonald's, too. And uh, as I uh, went through high school and in, in college, uh, for my four years of undergrad, I, I worked at the uh, college work study program at Pitt and worked in the medical school in the neuropharmacology laboratories, uh, which was just a phenomenal opportunity to learn uh, a science field, a medical field, and, and also work uh, while, while on campus. And uh, it was a tremendous experience. Really enjoyed that. You, you continued your childhood interest in science, got your BS in chemistry at, at University of Pittsburgh or, or Pitt, as it's uh, affectionately called. Um, you know, that's a, that's a tough coursework and usually kind of pre-med. Um, when did you kind of change direction and decide that that wasn't going to be for you? Yeah, you know, I, I had thought about going to medical school when I, when, when I was younger and thinking that would be great. And then, you know, I spent four years working around medical students, interns, residents, and, and watching them be bleary eyed every day and sleeping on couches. Studying for organic chemistry. Yeah. Why, why would I really, why would I want to do that? That's, that's yeah. kind of crazy to spend that much time working and in, in a career. So then I end up, you know, going uh, and, and working uh, in industry and progressing through and becoming a CEO now where I work, you know, just like that or worse and, uh, and do it while traveling the world. So, you know, I think my, uh, maybe my first inclinations there were, were quite spot on, but uh, it was, uh, it was a great experience. I learned a lot and uh, I'm, I'm probably a, uh, I hopefully a better CEO than I would have been a medical doctor. <laughs> was it a foregone conclusion to go to college? Was that something that your parents expected to, you were the oldest of three, right? As the oldest of three, it was it was my foregone conclusion. I guess right. I would say it wasn't necessarily my parents. Uh, I was one of the first people, if not the first, amongst my uh, immediate family uh, and cousins that had gone to college. So it wasn't a foregone conclusion uh, with my parents, but it was for me, and I wanted to uh, develop an education and kind of see where it took me in life. And and I've been been so very fortunate and it's been a, a great experience and very glad I did. Were there classes outside of your chemistry major that you took that you remember to this day that you enjoyed? Yeah, I, uh, I had an honors theater class that <laughs> I took great. and just absolutely loved it. It was, you know, the vast majority of my undergrad work was science and technology and math, you know, so I would do things like, you know, minor in physics and biology and things like that, which didn't leave a heck of a lot of time for non, you know, science, math coursework. But I had a, 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 an honors theater class that I just absolutely adored, still think of it to this day, mm. because it, it exposed my mind to very different thought process, analysis, uh, art, art, artistic appreciation, Things that you don't necessarily get in calculus class. Right. Using the right side versus the left side of the brain. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Very much so, yeah. Brent. Awesome. And and wonderful um, stage presence and speaking skills. I'm sure that's come in handy over the years as your career has excelled. That's absolutely correct. I, yeah. you know, I've been blessed with a, uh, a strong speaking voice. And you know the, 
being in front of a room of 500 people is energizing for me. It's, it's not for everybody, yeah. uh, but, but it is for me. And I enjoy being in uh, positions like that and in leadership positions. I, I can't really put my finger on sort of how that happened or where and when it happened. It just did. Right. And it served me well in my career. Now, I know you went back to Pitt for your MBA, but before you get to that, what was that first job you took out of college? Did you try to work in the uh, science profession or did you go right into business? I did. I uh, worked in the R&D labs in Pittsburgh for PPG Industries as my first job out of college. Right. And, uh, you know, tremendous company, extremely successful, and uh, really thought I might stay in R&D until a couple of years I got asked to take a job another technical job, but it was in one of the business units at PPG in, uh, in one of the production facilities where they were starting a new group for a new major line of business and uh, wanted a young technical group leader to, to take that on. So once I, I, I made that transition out of R&D into more you know, applied technology and customer support, I really fell in love with the business side of the business yeah, and uh, was able to still leverage my technical background, but in a way that gave me exposure to customers and manufacturing environments and then and ultimately to, to profit and loss statements. And uh, I just really uh, enjoyed that very much. And that's what sort of crystallized my thinking that maybe I should augment my education with some formal business uh, schooling as yeah. well as my, my, my chemistry under undergraduate degree, hence so, leading to the MBA at, uh, at Pittsburgh. So you stayed at PPG when you got your MBA. I did. I did. Yeah. I worked uh, and went to school part-time yeah. at night and uh, for three and a half years to complete my MBA and very glad I did. It was a, a, another rewarding experience, really opened my eyes a lot more into the business side of things, strategy, finance, uh, things that you know, that we all have to uh, understand, leverage, and be successful with if we're going to have successful business executive careers. Yeah, tell us about the first time you started managing people, Jeff. You know, I was uh, I was a young technical group leader in my in my mid twenties, and um, quickly figured out that managing people was not like solving equations or doing lab experiments. <laughs> So <laughs> that didn't work out very well in the beginning. No, it was, uh, it was the, it was the different part of the brain. Uh, and, you know, fortunately in a company like PPG, you know, you have tremendous resources for training development. And I was able to leverage that the company really did a, just a great job of developing its young talent. And I think still does today and, uh, was able to uh, learn how to interact with people professionally while still managing and leading. And, you know, it's, it, it's critical. I think that you know, when you, when you, if you're successful at managing people, and I think I learned this early on, you know, trust and integrity are at the top of the list. If people don't trust you mm. and the, and they don't believe you act with integrity, they're not going to follow you. And I think that that was true for me when I was very young and I think it's still true today that those those two factors are incredibly important in terms of being being a successful leader. Were you managing folks that had been at the company a while and perhaps had a, had a few additional years in you? 
Yes. And, uh, uh, and yes, on both accounts, uh, <laughs> I've been with the company for over 10 years and were significantly older than me. So, yeah. but it gave me the opportunity to develop those skills and really sort of crystallize my view that I, I, I kind of wanted to over time migrate to business management. And fortunately I, I had a number of opportunities to do that. Yeah. What shifted for you kind of in those, you know, early management years from a leadership perspective, you know, any, any good lessons or bad lessons, <laughs> sometimes the bad lessons are the ones that you can pick up on that, you know, helped you through those early management responsibilities. Sure. Yeah, we've, you know, I think we've, we've probably all been around people who don't necessarily inspire uh, trust or don't trust the people that they're working with. Mm. Um, that uh, tend to micromanage more um, people that are you know more focused on I than 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 on the team yeah. and and struggle to relate and inspire people. I think meeting people where they are and uh, being able to relate regardless of, of what their position is or what uh, what their responsibilities are. And, and being open and honest and, and, and trustworthy with them goes a long way. It really does yeah. uh, in terms of being able to develop successful leadership. How long was your career at PPG? I spent the first 20 years of wow. my career at PPG. And, yeah. you know, the last, uh, the last dozen or so were all in business management roles. And then uh, in, in 2005, I had the opportunity to uh, go work at a customer of PPG's called uh, Medico Corporation in Lima, Ohio. And it was a private equity holding at the time. And I wanted to get some private equity experience. I thought that might be ultimately be a good place uh, uh, for me um, to continue to grow my career, maybe you know, in, 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 a, in a different different way than with a large publicly traded company. And it was a tremendous, tremendous experience. It took it took a lot to step away uh, because I had such a a, a great uh, run with PPG in the in the first two decades of my career, and uh, still stay in touch with uh, a lot of my uh, coworkers at the time who are now uh, running the company and uh, a company I still have an enormous amount of respect for. It was uh, it was without a doubt the right decision to make. It was difficult. Yeah, but it gave me the opportunity to learn new skills, uh, rapidly grow my skill sets and responsibilities, and and do so in in a very different environment, which is what uh, what private equity is. Yeah, yeah, great. So after twenty years there, yeah, that's that's tough, you know, because it really becomes um, kind of that second home. <laughs> in many ways, right? right? And the people that you work with every day and you spend so much time with. Any regrets about moving on? Anything that you wish that maybe, you know, you'd done more of? Uh, you know, did you have your eye on the corner office at, at PPG? And I'm sure you were in the running. I know you yes. ran a couple of different subsidiaries at some different times. Yeah. So I was fortunate uh, to, to you know, be considered uh, somebody who had significant up, upward mobility uh, I don't. I don't have any regrets about uh, leaving in 2005, and it was absolutely the right decision. And then ultimately, uh, in in late 2011, I was elevated to the CEO role at at Medico Corporation by its yeah. uh, private equity sponsor. 
Yeah. Awesome. So SEAL for Life, uh, you're coming up on four years, I think, as, as right. a CEO there. Tell us a little bit about that organization and, and you know, the private equity background obviously is a big difference than a large corporation. Um, what do you folks do? What's your footprint and what customers do you serve? You know, we, uh, we're a manufacturer of highly engineered coding solutions for the protection of critical infrastructure assets. So this is all uh, infrastructure uh, that has to be prevented from uh, corrosion, water degradation, chemical or heat degradation, uh, heavy and extreme performance environments. So our coatings are engineered to last for many decades. That's why we, we say we seal for life. When our products are applied, they last a very long time and they protect our customers' most important assets. So we do that with a very deep, uh, collection of technologies around the world that that meet very demanding specifications and engineering requirements that allow us to uh, participate in some well-defined niches of infrastructure asset protection and uh, create a business now that is a conglomeration of eight different acquisitions since uh, the middle of 2019 wow. and has grown considerably and we're uh, we're very uh, fortunate to have the success we've had and the company has grown both top and bottom line in double digits uh, over the years. And uh, we're uh, very, uh, very pleased with what the company has been doing. I, uh, I had uh, known the Arsenal Capital folks for, oh gosh, since uh, 2010, 2011. And, uh, you know, we always would kind of stay in touch and they'd say, hey, you know, Jeff, we're going to do something together someday. You know? <laughs> we're going to get into coatings. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that a lot. And I get the call in, uh, in late 2019 say, you know, and they said, look, do we, you know, we just bought this thing called Seal for Life and we need a CEO who knows something about the coating space. So uh, I was able to uh, uh, get the opportunity to work with Arsenal Capital, and it's been a phenomenal partnership. They are extremely successful, very focused, very talented, deep team, and a, a true pleasure to work with. I've really enjoyed these last four years, and I think we're, uh, we're building some, something of strategic value here with Seal for Life Industries in this platform. Looking at the arc of your 24, 25-year career, in the coatings industry, pretty much, right? Because you, you've, you know, similar, but obviously uh, different in that respect. How, how do you think your leadership styles evolve now that you're in the corner office? Sure. It's, uh, you know, it has been, I, I try not to think about the fact that I started my career in the coding space in the mid eighties, but you know, <laughs> facts are facts, right? right. Uh, so it's, you know, as, as I look at things over time, you know, I, I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, you know, I, I've migrated from uh, a, a young uh, young man who you know, was very focused in uh, quantitative in, in thinking to being somebody that now is, uh, you know, I think, able to balance the quantitative, the qualitative, and able to lead and inspire groups of people to do their very best to generate success and to help uh, help grow their careers. You know, my my leadership style is very collaborative, mm -hmm. very open. I enjoy debate, particularly around my ideas, because I'm I, I'm recognized I'm, I recognize that not everyone 
we all don't have all of the answers. We just don't. Business in uh, today's uh, age is far too complicated, particularly when you're, you know, you're running these these global enterprises that are growing rapidly and and serving the types of customers we service. Uh, you know, we don't. I I've never thought that you know, I've got all the answers and I'm the smartest person in the room. So you should just listen to me. Okay. That's not how I do things. And I've built a management team. It was a very interesting process of doing that during COVID, by the way, um, that's got tremendous diversity, uh, both culturally and diversity of thought, diversity in geography. And it's, it's come together very well and created an environment where, you know, my, my team is very comfortable, um, you know, putting their own ideas forth because a lot of times they're better than mine. And in, in challenging our internal process as to how we do things to try to to try to be the best that we can be. And I've always felt that, you know, if if I work really hard and do a good job at enabling the success of the people around me, I'll do just fine. Mm. And that has proven itself multiple times. And it's it's proving itself here at Seal for Life as well. When uh, business issues come up. And they do. <laughs> and, you know, the CEO's job is is one that, you know, the buck stops there and one has to deal with those things. Usually they hopefully don't happen when they get too, you know, far askew. But, you know, even those happen from time to time. How do you kind of make the decision between, you know, zooming in? I hate to use the words micromanage because <clears throat> it's got such negative connotations. But there are times when a CEO has to do so. Or, or, or when to stay out of, you know, your colleague's sandbox. How, how do you kind of make that differentiate, differentiation, particularly when issues come to the table? That's a great question, Brent. And, you know, the, one of the roles of the CEO is that, that you're the backstop, right? Um, you know, you sort of got to you know, collect everything before it gets uh, too far off the field. And there are times where there are certainly decisions that only I can make. And one of the things that's, that, that's really helpful there is the relationship in terms of you know, running a private equity business, the relationship with the sponsor. Yeah. So the collaborative relationship I have with Arsenal, you know, allows me to determine when I need to take a decision generally on a fairly short time horizon that, you know, may be a singular course of action or, or, or directive. Most of the time, or I'd say that's more the exception than than the rule here. Uh, most of the time, uh, as we're developing and executing our strategy, we're working collaboratively together with my team and uh, and the sponsor team to determine uh, whether it's you know, is this the right acquisition for us to make? Should we develop this new product line? Should we enter this new market? You know. Most of the time, you know, we've got time to flesh those things out, but there's, there's no question, Brad, there are, there are situations where, you know, there, there's, uh, you're the backstop and that's, right. uh, you're the person that's got to make the decision. Yeah. It's, it's a tough call. I'm sure. Particularly when you've got a great executive team around you. Company Indeed. culture is so important too, Jeff. And, you know, again, being private equity owned and growing so fast, particularly as you acquire new companies and, you know, increase your footprint. How do you kind of 
you know, kind of telepathically <laughs> sometimes, but communicate out that culture to your your rank and file, particularly with far reaching, you know, businesses that span, you know, not just national boundaries, but but global boundaries. Yeah, I think uh, the old adage about, you know, you can never over communicate or communicate mm. too much is is very true. So we you know, we work hard to communicate with all of our team members worldwide on how the company's doing. Uh, where we're going. Obviously, I spend much more uh, uh, close time with my direct reports and you know a layer or two of management below them uh, uh, because we're working on you know, typically on on the most important things that are facing the company. But we try to do so in a very collaborative environment that welcomes input and opinions uh, from, from the group, but when we make a decision, it's all about execution and mm. pace and speed. So there's uh, the culture is, you know, your, your, your ideas, your input your, and, and thoughts are extremely valuable. And we want those, uh, to be brought forth by everybody. We make a decision, uh, pace of execution is really important. Uh, it's all about, it's about speed and, and executing what we decide to do. So, that's sort of how the culture works. Um, the ability to, you know, you sort of have to, like any business, you have to juggle a number of things uh, uh, every given day, every given month uh, in the business. But focus on the things that are really important. You know, not everything is. You can, we can all find time, uh, ways to fill our days, right? That's not hard to do. You know, there's always another Teams or Zoom meeting waiting for you. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, as I've, as I've developed in, in you know, gotten along in my career, focusing on the things that are really important and ultimately are the ones that create the most value for the platform are, are the areas where, where my time is best served. Jeff, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Uh, you, you know, you sort of got to got to get past the resume, right? Yeah. And, and get into, uh, and this is incredibly important during COVID when you couldn't, I couldn't physically be present in, in, in a lot of the hiring situations. Um, you know, really for the first time in my career, right? We, <laughs> who would have ever thought that, you know, you, you wouldn't allow, you know, you wouldn't be able to meet people in person. Um, but it's the ability for people to synthesize information quickly to learn uh, our product lines because we are a collection of niches. So it's not, you know, it's not like there's a school where, you know, for infrastructure asset protection that everybody gets a, a degree from or a certificate in, you know, it doesn't quite work that way. Um, and people that have a collaborative mindset, but also have an energy level to put in the work, the time uh, that, that, these types of private equity investments require. Uh, not everybody is amenable to that type of environment. So uh, those uh, those characteristics are important. And then, you know, when I I interview people, again, you know, get past the resume and all the things that are on it. Um, you know, one of the questions I like to tell people is, or ask people is, look, if, if I was going to interview your direct reports, Hmm. Um, what would they tell me about you? Uh, what would they say about your character, your integrity, your ability to drive trust and collaboration and, and welcome input from people? You know, some, it's, it's always an interesting question for me 
when I ask it because some people answer it right away very fluently and very comfortably. So you sort of know that's kind of what their personality is. And then there are people that really struggle with that question. Yeah. Like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. I'm here in an interview and this guy is asking me what my team thinks of me. <laughs> you know, and so, so there are times where, and, and when, when people start, you know, having a hard time with that question, I sort of scratch my head and go, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good tell. Great. Well, Jeff, we're just about out of time. Uh, I want to thank you. It's been a terrific journey through your career. We always have one last question. We ask all our CEO guests and that's, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone that maybe has their eyes on the corner office someday? Sure. And, you know, thinking back, uh, on, on my journey here, you know, I, taking multiple roles, you know, on your way up, uh, and on your way through your career, I think is very important. So, uh, I know for me, I had to sort of get out of the laboratory, if you will, and take experiences that may have uh, not been comfortable or, or uh, places where I, I didn't have direct experience in order to continually developing my ability to learn about how business is done. So developing a, a 360 review of business challenges, needs, environments is important. And I think the way to do that is early in your career is to take on multiple roles and, and different roles, roles that maybe you're not so comfortable with, because mm -hmm. those are the ones that ultimately stretch you, I think. Yeah. Um, and embracing diversity of, of culture and thought, uh, being open to learning all the time. And as I said, because you know, none of us have all the answers, right? Um, those are things that have helped me and uh, hopefully they're, they're things that may be useful for others as well. Wise counsel. Jeff Horowitz, Chief Executive Officer at Seal for Life Industries. Thank you so very much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. It's been a pleasure and I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 